You're listening to the True to Life Podcast, a show where we discuss life and analyze ideas as followers of Jesus in a post-Christian context. The True to Life Podcast is hosted by Aaron and Carson, two ordinary guys learning how to live with purpose in a changing world. Together, we'll discover how to be present with God and others in a way that is true to life. Welcome to the True to Life podcast. It is Tuesday evening. You're on with Aaron and Carson, and uh, it was a great week, we thought, to lead into the the political election season and talk about politics, and uh, neither of us could stomach that. So we're going to go the opposite direction and talk about joy. People say that comparison is the thief of joy, but we've decided that 2020 is the thief of joy. It, and also, uh, it certainly is. Yeah, pretty much everything that's going on. Also, I'm given to understand that Carson is coming into this evening with a, a splitting headache and uh, a tired body and uh, beset by some sort of turmoil that he's promised to tell me about here in a second. So I think that joy will be a hopefully healing balm to his soul as well as maybe a more pleasant topic of conversation for tonight. How you doing, buddy? Indeed. Um I, you know, I had not thought of that, but that's actually a really good point. And I think uh, that makes this episode particularly well-timed. Which good point? Um, I just made so many. You you did. Uh, the one about uh, it being a a healing balm to my weary soul. Oh. Well, I hope it is. I know I am. It's always good for me when I get to talk with you and, um, I don't know, conversations with you uh, when they happen regularly outside of podcasting are generally a time of, of relaxation, unless you're uh, having one of those moments where you, you know exactly which button to push and you, you push it. And then it's not so much uh, a joyful thing as much as a frustrating thing. But other than that, your friendship is, it, it really does bring joy to my soul. So I like to think of myself as a soothing breeze or a refreshing stream or the balm of Gilead. Oh wait, that's that's a that would be heresy if I was the balm of Gilead. Uh, yeah, I I feel the same about you. But you know, like ninety eight point three percent of the time, you are a joy to my soul. Well, let's just call it into the podcast right there. Cool. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm doing okay. Um, hope you are. I just had a kind of a call it a rough day at work, but definitely a, a rough last. Uh, I don't know, last hour, two hours at work. Um, I, I have the, the ability sometimes to get stuck on phone calls that I don't want to be on at work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, dealing with, uh, clients that I don't particularly want to deal with. And, uh, when the issue is, is particularly, uh, complex or, um, the, the client is particularly complex, then, uh, it can kind of stretch things out. So my normal clock out time is around five 30. Um, and I didn't really clock out until about six 45. So, mm-hmm. uh, it was just kind of a, a challenge there at the end. Um, the, uh, the person, uh, who I was talking to, uh, was 
extremely rude and combative and uh, thieving my joy in general. Uh, and to, I guess in, in addition to that, um, they were experiencing an issue uh, with this product that I help support uh, that uh, I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. Every, every guide, every article, um, every resource that I have, uh, as well as all of my training uh, through uh, this particular uh, product that we're servicing has all indicated one thing. And then this person's experience is clearly indicating another thing. <laughs> and so I say, well, no, that can't be because, you know, such and such. And he's like, no, you're an idiot. You need to go back to training. Here's this email and I can prove it to you. And sure enough, he proves it to me. And I'm at a complete loss as are my higher ups. And, uh, there was just really no, uh, no easy way to deal with it. And, uh, he just thought I was a complete, uh, idiot and complete tool. And he hung up on me, which is fine with me because then I can go home. Um, mm. or in this case to a podcast, but, um, but yeah, it, it, in the moment, it definitely did steal away a bit of my joy, but, um, you know, using our audience and, and you as a sounding board, uh, is cheaper than therapy. Mm. Um, and so I'm okay now. Not only less expensive, but definitely cheaper. So I will, I will strive to be that to you. <laughs> well, yeah, it is definitely cheaper in addition to being less expensive. <laughs> I am happy, happy to be that for you. Well, um, let's talk about joy. I, I think in a year that has drenched us in fear and suspicion and political turmoil and even even more death than we're used to from the usual yeah. suspects of, um, you know, the, the flu and natural disasters and hurricanes. On top of that, we have uh, yeah. COVID, which um, the death, the death count from that just keeps continuing to tick up. And there's, there's no end in sight for, I feel like the, the division that is besetting our country no matter uh, which political end of the spectrum you come at it from, there certainly doesn't seem to be any end in sight for rancor and division. And I think that joy is the perfect antidote to that. Yeah. And I mean, it's not just political either. Um, I mean, there are certainly things that are going on in the world that um, make joy increasingly rare, I guess. Um in people's experience. Uh, I was listening to a, a report today about uh, some of the wildfires uh, out West and how this has been like a, a record breaking year in terms of, uh, you know, how those uh, fires spread and it, like really uh, some of the largest uh, burns in, you know, about a century uh, because of the way the, the wind came in and um, you know, really destroyed uh, th some people's livelihoods and, and lives out there. Um, you know, you mentioned hurricanes, uh, it, you know, COVID uh, just continues. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, of course, uh, politicians tend to, to seize on those type of things because, um, you know, you never, never waste a uh, opportunity to exploit a, um, 
uh, a crisis or anything like that. Um, there's always political gains to be made from it. Um, whether or not that's the right thing to do, uh, does seem to be the pattern, uh, in a lot of cases, unfortunately. Um, but you know, even beyond that, there's just the, the normal everyday human experience that we all deal with where we have family issues. Um, we have work issues like I had today. We have, um, all these different things that just being human, uh, subjects us to, um, in addition to, you know, the, the particular things that are going on, uh, this year. So, um, between all of it, it does make joy at first glance, hard to come by. And, uh, and I think it's definitely worth reflecting on, uh, what it is, how we get it, how we can get more of it and, uh, kind of what the, the solution is, uh, for some of those things. Yeah. That's a really good point. And as we go through this conversation, I think that everyone will uh, soon see very clearly that when we talk about getting joy or having joy, that joy really isn't the thing even that we're aiming at. There's something behind the joy that's really the thing we're aiming at, especially coming at it from a a Christian perspective. Um, So for example, if you look at Webster's Dictionary, it defines joy as uh, the emotion that's evoked by well-being or success or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. Now, none of those are bad things. Those are, I would say, really good things. But when we talk about joy, we mean something uh, beyond that, something more deep and abiding than that. Um, you know, I'll let you, I, th- I think you probably have some good thoughts on on joy. And uh, there's, there's a lot of people who have <laughs> taken a stab at defining Christian joy. Uh, one of the ones I like the best is uh, what Phil Riken says. He said, joy is not so much happiness as contentment. Joy is the ability to take good cheer from the gospel. It's not, therefore, a spontaneous response to some temporary pleasure. It does not depend on circumstance at all. It's based rather on rejoicing in one's eternal identity in Jesus Christ. So it's something beyond uh, what's here and now. It's something that we can experience here and now, but that's not where its wellspring is. That's not where it really comes from. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, and, and I guess we should say as well, like, I don't think you and I have, um, you know, as we're discussing this, we've got some, uh, some ideas about, uh, you know, where we want this discussion to go. But a lot of this discussion is just kind of going to be off the top of our heads. And honestly, that's, uh, and I shared this with you before the, before the podcast started, like, that's the way I like it. Uh, just because I feel like it adds a level of, uh, realism and relatability. And part of the reason that we did this podcast wasn't just for everybody else's benefit. It was for ours as well. And so, um, I think it's a, at least for me, it's a good exercise to be able to think about this and kind of wrestle with these subjects uh, together. Um, so that said, um, I don't necessarily have a um, a, a set um, definition that I would necessarily be going by um, coming into this, but um, I think as we discuss it, I'm, I'm sure one will probably become apparent. Mm-hmm. Um, what you said, uh, I would, uh, you know, I would agree with, um, what, uh, the, the quote that you shared from Philip Riken, I, I really like, um, it's really good. Um, 
but I, I wonder about like he he related that directly to the gospel, mm-hmm. um, and intuitively that's that's not where my mind first goes. Um, at least not that specifically. Like I, I'm not at all debating that uh, joy and uh, surpassing uh, ultimate joy can come from the gospel. Um, but in terms of like joy's essence, uh, where does that come from? Um, I, in, intuitively, I would think maybe it comes from just the presence of God in general. Um, you know, from, uh, from the perspective of somebody, uh, who has right relationship with him. Now, of course, um, you and I would both agree that a person only has right relationship with God insofar as they are in Christ. And, um, and you know, that would kind of point back to, uh, to Phil Riken's quote. But mm-hmm. um, like, for instance, uh, one of the verses that comes to mind for me is uh, Psalm 1611. Uh, it says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy at your right hand our pleasures forevermore. Um, so I, I wonder if just me thinking as a Christian, like when I think about where does my joy come from and not just a general, uh, a general kind of uh, joy or happiness, but particularly Christian theistic God oriented joy, um, I really am at my most joyful when I am cognizant of my being in God's presence and God's presence with me. Um, and when I'm focusing on that presence and worshiping, uh, God, um, in light of that presence, um, I think if I had to, to put my finger on it, that's probably where I would. I would say I'm at my most joyful. Um, so I don't know if that means that that's ultimately where uh, joy comes from, or if it's where that's where joy is. That's what the, that verse in Psalms says. That's where there is fullness of joy. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I think that joy is inherently relational. And I think that the first way in which it's relational, as you've pointed out, is a relationship between yourself and the God who gave you life in the first place. And the further you stray from that, the further you are from the the source and uh, the meaning of who you are as a person. And I think that joy becomes the fuller, the closer that you are to God and the closer you are to the, the source of that joy. Mm. Um, and I think that it's in this life, uh, this imperfect life that we're in, Joy has also got a feeling of a longing uh, because this life is never completely right. There's always things that mar and ruin it. Um, the Bible even talks about us like for now seeing dimly uh, the things that one day we'll see uh, clearly. Um, and I love the way that C.S. Lewis put it about longing. He said that joy is distinct not only from pleasure in general, but even from aesthetic pleasure. It must have the stab or the pang of an inconsolable longing. And to me, that longing um, is for a relationship that we feel should be there, should be perfectly there. But for now, 
um, we feel almost in fits and starts where sometimes when we're close to God and we're really communing in our spirit with him, we feel so deeply and um, I'll even use the word to define it joyfully. And as we wander away from that, we, we not only grow cold to some extent, but we also feel that longing for what we have and for no, for what we know we can have for what we want to be there and for what we know can be there. And in the, uh, in eternity, we'll be there in its fullest form. And so I, yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, if, if what you were saying is that joy is to some extent, um, or even mostly relational, um, then I would definitely agree with that. Well, I hadn't necessarily made the, uh, the connection that it was relational, but I, I can see why you would say that. And uh, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. That's how um, I exegeted your, uh, your saying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I mean, I, it does make sense, though. I mean, it, to, um, I, you know, I, this, so I'm trying to, oh, uh, it's been forever since I've read this book. It was a long time ago. Uh, but John Piper has a, uh, a book uh, called The Pleasures of God. Mm. Um, and it's about the joy God takes in being God, um, which is uh, <laughs> only John really, Piper could say that with a straight face. <laughs> Right. Um, you know, really kind of, uh, light reading, uh, before bedtime. Mm. Um, no, it, it's a, a very, uh, hefty and, and, uh, uplifting book, but, um, but definitely, you know, kind of abstract, but, um, the, you know, one of the things that he, that he talks about, uh, as I recall is just this, um, this idea that when God is joyful, he is, infinitely joyful, um, that he is the most joyful being, uh, that there is. And so, um, as our creator and as, uh, himself, the, uh, the source of all joy, either, you know, um, in terms of, uh, his having created everything that is right. And him himself being inherently joyful, um, that all, joy ultimately flows from him, uh, to his creation. And so, um, you know, there's, there's things about that that like, I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I, I can get there. I, that makes sense. And then there's other things that, um, that like on the face of it, when I, when I hear people and when I hear Christians in particular, uh, talking about joy kind of make me like scratch my head at first glance. Um, like uh, another verse that that comes to mind is uh, James one two uh, says, "Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance." Um, most of the time, and and certainly in the in the context of uh, you know the first church in which this was written. Um, you know, the, the trials that, that, you know, the, the first church underwent, um, and that, uh, you know, messianic, uh, uh, Israelites underwent, um, because of their faith in Christ, uh, like they were horrible, um, and, you know, that's not just unique to the, uh, to the first Christians, but like throughout Christian history, um, there's been, uh, martyrdom, there's been, 
uh, people that have been, you know, killed and, and tortured for their faith, um, and, you know, urged to, uh, to recant and, and all that. Um, and here James comes and he says, when you experience all these various different types of trials, you're supposed to count, uh, consider it a great joy. Um, and at first glance, that just seems like, well, like, what do you, what do you mean by that? Like, how am I supposed to consider that a joy? Mm. Um, and I think maybe the answer, maybe you can help me kind of think through this, unpack this. Um, I think the answer would be, uh, because it's not these experiences in and of themselves that are joyful. Uh, but the reason why we experience them and why we endure them, um, we know is, is worth it. And, and the source of, uh, these experiences that we're having and the reason for the experiences that we're having is God. And because of that, we can take joy, uh, in the fact that, uh, that we're having these experiences as a way, uh, uh, to test our faith, to produce endurance. Um, so that, you know, in verse four, he says, so that we could be mature and complete. Mm. Um, so that we can be the, the type of people that, uh, that God desires us to be, that he created us to be. Um, and so that there's something about the, um, the trials that we go through, uh, whether they're small or large that develops us and, and shapes us uh, through our experience and our character, um, shapes us into the kind of people that, that God is pleased with. And that should give us joy. Yeah. Um, is that how you would, you would kind of understand that? I think so. I've often wondered if joy is something that could exist on its own in isolation. And I'm not saying it couldn't, but for a second, I would let me go down the road of saying that joy is something that almost seems like it couldn't exist in isolation because it almost seems to be a necessary corollary of some sort of adversity. It seems to be that uh, in a context tinged with suffering or um, in a world that is beset with sorrow and sadness, joy is that thing that is given to us as a grace from God that allows us to uh, confront those situations with praise and thanksgiving and with a, with a deeper uh, comfort and realization of the presence of God that allows us to, uh, to make it through those things and those, those difficult situations. It's the way that a Christian uh, walks through those difficult times of trial. And so joy, you know, one quote from, uh, I have to work GK Chesterton at some point, um, but one quote I love from him along that line is he says that, uh, man is more himself when joy is the fundamental thing in him and grief is mm -hmm. more the superficial thing. He says that melancholy should always be an innocent interlude, a tender and fugitive frame of mind, but praise should be the, the permanent pulsation of the soul. Pessimism, he says, is at best an emotional half holiday, but joy is the uproarious labor by which all things live. And so I think you see a cadence of life. You don't only see um, sorrow or joy, you see them intermingled. And you see joy the as the conscious expression um, of the grace that God gives to you to endure and even to thrive 
during those times of adversity. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I think GK Testerton is uh, a lot smarter than me. And um, uh, yeah, I, you know, kudos to him. He's a, a very smart man who says words good. <laughs> I um, agree. He, uh, but no, I think to his point, um, yeah, he, uh, it, it's something that ought to characterize uh, Christians. Um and ought to characterize uh, God's people, if God is the source of joy, um, that us being united with him, and and maybe this kind of gets back to uh, the idea of it being relational. Mm-hmm. Um, when we have this united relationship with God because of our, um, because of who he is and because of who he created us to be and because of our uh, relation to him in Christ, um, then joy ought to be the, the, the primary, uh, thing about us that, um, that we would say, you know, maybe, maybe defines us or, uh, people notice about us, however you want to word it. Um, uh, my, my mind kind of goes back to, to Philippians four, um, that where, uh, Paul says that, uh, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, uh, guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Um, that that peace that surpasses understanding. I I, f- I feel like, and um, I, w- I wouldn't necessarily be dogmatic about this, but I feel like uh, kind of is synonymous with this inner joy um, that that we experience uh, as Christians, despite the. Uh, the trials, despite the the, the sufferings, um, insofar as those exist, that there's something about this peace of God, this this joy uh, that we receive from Him, that um, that you really can't explain, and really does surpass our uh, ability to be able to understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing that I um, that I noticed that he said in that quote. Um, you said that uh, I'm looking here at the show notes. Man is more himself uh, when joy is the fundamental thing in him. And you and I have said before on um, on this podcast that we think that Jesus was the most human human to ever walk the earth. Um, that he was archetypical human as God intended, um, that there were, that he embraced and embodied, uh, what God's idea of humanity looks like. And when you read that Chesterton quote, where it says man is more himself, uh, when joy is the fundamental thing in him, like that brings that to mind for me, um, that Jesus was fully human and was ideal human, uh, from, the perspective of, of God's design and that he was the most human human because, uh, because he had this connection and this joy, uh, from the father. Um, and I don't know that to me is a, is a really beautiful picture. So, um, that just kind of brought that to mind for me. It really is. And, 
uh, lest we wax hypostatically heretical, we would also reiterate that we also believe that Jesus was 100% and fully God, while at the same time being 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 man, becoming man for us so that as a man he could um, so he could die in our place as a man is the perfect sacrifice. But to your point, yeah, the expression of humanity that we find in Christ um, as the perfection of God um, in a way that only he could be being God and man at the same time is not only aspirational for us, but also I think a foretaste of that that joy that we have as embodied souls that we look forward to in eternity, um, that we, that we can have that that perfection, that fullness of joy that we see in Jesus um, as he was here, that he, as the Bible says, he was a, a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with grief. Uh, if you read um, the passages in Isaiah, uh, I think most poignantly that talk about him um, being you know, acquainted with sorrows and grief. And even when he was um, smitten for our sins and our transgressions, our, our, uh, we were healed by the stripes that were put on him. He suffered and died for us to redeem us from our sins. Um, and the Bible even says that it was for the joy that was set before him that he went mm-hmm. to the cross. So suffering intermingled with joy. I think that's a consistent theme, even yeah. for the God man, like you don't just find joy. You see it as um, not even the antidote to suffering, but you see it as the companion to suffering. It's the grace that God gives in the midst of suffering um, that allows you. Or like the, the divine result of suffering. Maybe I don't yeah, know. Could be um, like it, it, you know, when, um, when suffering exists um, with God, that, uh, joy ends up being the result. Mm. Um, and, and I understand that's not like at all to, to lessen, um, anyone's, uh, or any individual's suffering. Um, because when we're in suffering, uh, a lot of times it doesn't feel joyful. Um, at least not initially. Um, and I think, you know, maybe that highlights too, like the difference between, uh, you know, joy which is good and goodness or happiness or, um, enjoyability or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever, uh, some of the things that we think, you know, at first glance are synonyms, but I think, um, you know, you and I are kind of hitting on something a little deeper and a little, um, a, a little more, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, yeah, I guess just a, a little bit deeper that, uh, that in, in terms of like where that resides, uh, in us and, and from God. So, well, um, depthiness, in, depthiness and truthiness. That's what we strive for here. So, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's us in a nutshell. So now that we've, uh, flailed um, away at, at defining joy for, uh, going on half an hour now, uh, let's say we take a quick break and, and when we come back, let's talk about, why it's important to reflect on joy at at this particular time. Yeah, let's do it. All right, welcome back. So let's talk about why we're talking about joy today. I was uh, reminded of a quote by Anne Frank that I hope epitomizes 2020, um, 
and not to make light of of her situation, but uh, it's a great quote. She said, I don't think of all the misery, but of the beauty that still remains. Mm -hmm. And uh, she had such an amazing inspirational story. Uh, The Diary of a Young Girl is a a really beautiful and profound read, and she is a such an inspirational person. Um, and I, I love that quote from her uh, because, you know, going through life in the moment is when the pain is the most piercing and, and poignant, I would say. And I think one of the weird things about being a human, one of the things that in my, my young life so far has become somewhat apparent to me. Aging life. Aging life, yes. As you uh, as you become more removed from from situations, you do start to remember the good things and the uh, the bad things, the pain. They start to fade a bit, and yeah. and you start to heal. Um, obviously, it's a often used quote, but "time heals all wounds." I think is really uh, it, it's a it's got a lot of depth to it. That idea. Yeah, the uh, the idea of um, you know from that quote that you mentioned with uh, with Anne Frank, um, the, the beauty that still remains. I think that's um, that that's worth chewing on uh, when we when we think about like all the the stuff that goes on in the world, um, just generally, and and not just in Anne Frank's life, but like just in human experience. Um, in 2020, we've had, you know, some of these other things going on that are, uh, thieves of our joy. Uh, but then also just in, uh, normal life, uh, we have bad days, we have, um, hurt that we experience, we have, uh, turmoil, uh, in, in our relationships and, um, just all these things that come along with being a human, uh, that lives in, in, uh, inhabits a sinful world. Um, even with all of the suffering and despite all the suffering, I I think there is, um, something to what she's saying and that, uh, we can still look at life as grace. Um, that, and I think you talked about this on your, uh, the episode you did while I was out of town that you did on gratitude, right? Like even with all of the the things that go on in the world that would, um, that we'd be tempted to kind of focus on to, to bring us down, like, um, even the, uh, despite the suffering, like our very existence and the fact that we are is grace. Um, that we were created by a, a God and not just uh, created and then cast aside, but that we are created and cared for uh, by the God of the universe that created us. Um, that we get to, uh, in some way, uh, we have in Christ, we have access to that and we have the ability to know that God and we have the ability to, uh, to be loved by that God and, and cared for, um, life in general, um, is, is a good gift, uh, given to us by God. And so, um, you know, when you mention uh, uh, Anne Frank, uh, you know, I, I think she maybe in, in kind of a, a roundabout way in her own words, um, is kind of getting to that same idea. Like, uh, 
she doesn't concern herself with all this misery, but with, uh, with the good that remains when you, when you look past it. Um, mm. so. Yeah. And you know, you don't have to twist my arm very far to talk about gratitude. I think it's been a formative and, um, to some extent transformational exercise for me to spend real quality time, um, exercising the discipline of gratitude it's something that slips away so easily, but it's so rewarding when you think about it, because for me, gratitude goes directly back to God. Um, it goes very quickly to my wife who um, puts up with me, loves me, uh, makes me a much better person and with me builds. We're all thankful for your wife and how uh, she improves you. Well, uh, I have no, I have no argument at this time. Yeah. <laughs> um, same for mine, by the way. Um, uh, uh, I was joyfully for... second that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the uh, the idea of, of gratitude, um, not only to our, our lovely wives, but also to God, to good friends, to uh, faithful churches, faithful pastors, faithful friends. Um, you know, one of my, uh, a quote I ran across by David Steindl Rost is, the root of all joy is gratefulness. So I like that that kind of correlation to what we're talking about today. He says, the root of all joy is gratefulness. It is not joy that makes us grateful. It is gratitude that makes us joyful. Hmm. I thought that was really profound and gets, I think, to the heart of a lot of what we're, we're talking about. Um, that again, joy is a wonderful thing, but it's the thing behind the joy that is yeah, the real... I mean, it- that uh, that thought kind of puts, um, I don't want to say puts in context, but it kind of shines light on that verse from James that I mentioned mm-hmm. uh, in the first segment. You know that we're able to to count it all joy uh, when we're when when these kind of things happen uh, because we are able to be grateful for it um, ultimately because it produces uh, endurance and makes us uh, mature and uh, we can we can be grateful. Th- for that and so uh, counted as a joy. It's, yeah. it's helpful. Yeah, and, a, and another thing is we set the stage for why we would want to talk about joy right now. It's not only that we've had a hard year, it's that as we're again going into uh, this fall with, you know, the colder temperatures make people more fearful of um, not only the flu, but now COVID. And we've also fall got- makes me very joyful. Well, every okay. single year. Let's say winter, because I, I agree with you on that. Fall is a blessing. Fall is the best. I, like people that um, that like summer, I, I don't understand. Uh, f- when I can go outside and wear a hoodie and flip flops at the same time, that's my happy place. Mm-hmm. You know, pumpkin spice, buddy, if ever there was. Oh, so good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll throw all of our, um, maleficence on, uh, winter, not fall. Blessed okay. be fall. Um, my, my wife has just, uh, updated our little message board downstairs, uh, that, uh, says something to the extent of, uh, um, I'm glad that I live in a world where there are Octobers, which is a quote of, uh, Anne of Green Gables and mm-hmm. definitely encompasses our, our pumpkin spicy home at the moment. We, uh, we have pumpkins, uh, adorning our front porch and, uh, uh, many other fall festivities spangling our house inside and out. And I'm, I'm sure Lovely. you would rejoice in all those things. So, 
uh, as we go into the uh, the fell and evils of winter <laughs> and also into uh, the uncertainty of an election time where no matter who you are right now, you feel as if the company is, or not the company, the uh, country is teetering on the precipice of either uh, victory or certain disaster. And you, you might feel as if our country is heading into its its own winter, so <laughs> to speak. Yes. Um, so as, as our country approaches its nadir, uh, we can all, well, I, I won't even make a joke about it. Politics is, I think, something that just is has got us all uh, down right now. And we, we feel like we're in a real uh, maelstrom politically, economically, socioeconomically, culturally. And so it's not just the year that we're coming from. It's where we're going into with no end in sight. And so as as Christians, um, even just as people, uh, we want to take a moment to reflect on um, the the good in the world, but more importantly, the good beyond the world. And maybe even that as Christians, we live in the light of an eternity to come. You might even think about it in uh, from the perspective of eternity started. Um, if, you, if you know Christ, uh, if you have eternal life that he promises to those who he saves, if you look forward to that relationship life forever, then your eternity started already. And that's something that I think we would both say is a message that more than any other message we would want to share with people like you, you uh, like that gift is being held out to you right now. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. Ooh, you should write that down and get a quarter every time <laughs> someone says it. <laughs> no, that is a very good point. Um, and I don't mean to make light of it, uh, but it, that was just, I don't know. Too good to pass up. Joy overtook me. Sorry. <laughs> oh, well, that is okay. In the in your presence will be fullness of joys evermore, but only because that joy didn't come from you. That's true. <laughs> I kid. Uh, yeah. So as we're going into this, uh, as we're going into this season, as we look back where we're coming from, uh, what is what is joy meant to you? I'm I'm curious to hear what what you hope. Uh, what you hope to have joy influence you in and maybe ways that joy has played a part in your year so far. Yeah. So that's a really interesting question um, just because of the, and and not just the uh, autumnal season that, uh, that we as collective humanity are in right now. Well, I guess no, not collective humanity because the, uh, the, the hemispheres and stuff, right? Like there's, it's not, autumn everywhere. I knew you were a hemispherist. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, but no, not, not just because of, uh, of that season, but for, for me in terms of my life situation, uh, that metaphorical season that I'm in, uh, this is a, an interesting question and a good one. Are you in um, the autumn of your life? Is that what you're saying? I, I hope not. <laughs> I hope um, not too. Even though you hate summer, I hope, I hope that you're in the summer of your life. I, I was going to say, I hope I'm in the the spring transitioning to summer, but uh, we'll see. Um, but uh, yeah, I I think there are definitely some some areas where it's been important for me um, to, and I, I wouldn't have called it this before. Um, just intuitively, I wouldn't have made 
necessarily this connection with joy, but now that we're talking about it, um, I think that's probably, um, what I would say is it's been important for me to, uh, to, to, to count it all joy, to focus on, um, the, the gratitude that I have and, uh, the things that I rely on, um, in Christ that, that bring me joy. Um, so because of kind of the, I don't, and see, I would hesitate to call it a transitional period that we're in right now. Um, like over the past year, like a lot has changed for our family. Um, we moved across state lines. Um, we, uh, we were in, uh, Philadelphia, uh, you know, planning a church and, um, you know, my wife's, uh, dad passed and, uh, between that and, you know, some, some issues with, uh, like, honestly, just depression. Um, since we're talking about joy, I'll, I'll go ahead and lay that out on the table. Like, um, I was having some real issues with, uh, with just some personal depression and then, you know, uh, with what Leanne, uh, went through with grieving the loss of her father. Um, it really, uh, for the good of our family, um, uh, was determined that like, we just needed, we needed a break and we needed to focus on, um, on recovery. And, uh, so we, um, we, you know, put church planning on hold, um, uh, for an indeterminate amount of time and, uh, said, you know, we're going to focus on, um, on healing for our family. Um, and we moved to Tennessee, uh, we're now, you know, nearer to, to our family here. Um, and it's been, it's been a good move. Like, I mean, uh, in terms of what we, uh, the reasons that we move for, uh, those things, I would say we've seen a lot of healing, um, and a lot of improvement, um, by just being out from under some of the, the, the pressures, um, uh, entailed in, in planning a church. Um, but in that, um, it also raises a lot of questions, uh, for me in particular, like, uh, and this is something Leanne and I have talked about, like, I've got this internal sense of, um, like calling and am I living, uh, out what I was made to do and, um, okay. That chapter is, you know, at least for right now it's closed. Like what's next? Um, what about, you know, uh, my time at, at seminary, like, was that all, uh, so that I could go, you know, plant a church and, and not plant a church and then, uh, like just shepherd my family. Well, like, is that, um, what I put that effort in for, or is there something else that I'm supposed to be doing with that? What about my job right now? Like, um, this job that I've got now, it's, it's a good job. Um, but it's not the one I wanted, uh, when I first got it. And, um, once COVID hit, like, I'm incredibly grateful for it. I'm joyful. Um, my, you know, my job gives me a lot of good opportunities, um, to, uh, develop relationships with my coworkers. And I've had a lot of good opportunities to, uh, to share the gospel with people. And, uh, it's been good. Like it's been a, a growth experience for me. Um, I'm thankful for it, but it's not what I had envisioned either. Um, and so, uh, you know, in all of that, like thinking about what's next, where's our family going? Um, maybe it's time to, to just, you know, 
hunker down and, and get our kids through college. Like, you know, I've got uh, a kid who next year is going to be in high school. Um, and that's hard for me to, to believe, but, um, you know, Leanne and I started having kids at a, at a young age. Um, and, uh, like we were what, 22, 23, I guess when, when our daughter was born. So, um, like all of that is, uh, is coming to the point now where there's just a lot of moving pieces and, and a lot of, if I'm just being completely transparent, there's a lot of unanswered questions that I have, um, that I don't, I don't feel like God has answered for us yet. Um, and I don't say that to, to say that I, I'm holding that against him. I'm just saying it's just not been, um, revealed to us yet. Like what the next step is or, or what, um, what direction, you know, our, our, our lives are taking. And one of the things that I've, I've had to really focus on, um, is just doing the best I can to be, uh, faithful in the circumstances, uh, in which I am now and to be faithful and obedient, uh, to God, to Christ in the situation that I find myself now. And really to let God worry about the, um, about the, the end result. Um, and I think that for me kind of maybe gets at, you know, uh, the joy aspect, because for me, like anxiety, um, a lot of times is driven by a, a disconnect between the things that I expect or the things that I hope and the things that I actually end up experiencing. Um, I just, as a, the way I'm wired, I have a real tendency, uh, to live in, in the future in my head rather than being focused on the present moment. And that drives a lot of anxiety. And, um, I think when, you know, when, when Jesus tells us like, don't worry, um, maybe this is part of the reason why is because, you know, if we're present with God in, in the present moment, um, that should be a source of joy for us. And I think there is, um, a real aspect of, of this kind of season of our lives that we've been in, um, where that has produced in me uh, a measure of joy. It doesn't mean that it's been necessarily the, I don't know, uh, it's, it's not been a bad season it's not really, it's not been a mountain or a valley, so to speak. It's just kind of been waiting and, and existing and doing the best we can, um, to prepare the, for the future, um, in the meantime, I guess. Mm. And, um, but for somebody like me who is very driven by thoughts of the future, who's uh, a dreamer, who's, uh, somewhat restless, um, at heart and, um, who doesn't really enjoy status quo and, you know, all these things about me that, um, that would drive me to do something like church planning. Um, it's just been kind of a, a hard task to just kind of take a, a wait and see approach. But at the same time, um, because of I, because of how I see God's goodness in the present moment to our family, um, I really do take joy in it because 
um, the the life that we have now and and the way our family is is healing and existing in the present moment um, is far more grace than than any of us deserve and that really does give me a kind of a, a abiding sense of joy hmm. that is really good and uh, I think I would share a lot of the sentiments that you just expressed so I I shan't retread the ground that you have tread so well but uh, I and it's crazy that your oldest child, your daughter, is about to go into high school. In my mind, right? she's still <laughs> that that thieving child who stole my headphones and hid them in her tricycle. And that's it wasn't just any headphones. Let's tell the people these were your what were they Bose Quiet Comforts? Yeah, that was a long time ago too. Back yeah. when those were those were the jam, and I was so yeah. happy and proud. And I brought them over to to flaunt them in front of you as we were studying. They were like $300, weren't they? Yes. Something a, like that a, when they came a out? A gift of love from my mother. Oh, no. Like, I'm, I'm not I'm not saying that they that we weren't worth it or that they were extravagant or whatever. But like, Throwing they were just my a really nice. in my face. I know what you're doing. <laughs> really nice set of headphones. And um, my daughter used them. And then uh, we couldn't find them for, what was it, like uh, two months? Oh, it, was, it was a long and, time, yeah. Yeah, and they turned up in the uh, the little trunk compartment of her her, her little Tykes tricycle. Um, yeah, yeah, she probably has other fine qualities, but to me, she's only going to be a, a small thief. <laughs> yeah, I'm just kidding, Moira. You're a, uh, anyway, moving on. Um, so yeah, you, I think you encompass what a lot of people are feeling when you're talking about. Um, or at least hinting at that one of the main things that we strive for and we desire in life is a sense of purpose, a sense of direction that we know we're going for. And if people don't have a, a sense of purpose, it can really wreck them. And you as a yeah. Christian know that it's hard. Uh, I as a Christian know that it's hard when you you get all dressed up and then feel like you have nowhere to go um, in a, a more life <laughs> overarching sense of things, but how much harder would it be to do that if you didn't have a Christian community, if you didn't have um, your faith in God and you didn't have true joy dealing with things like depression, um, moving yeah. fairly frequently as you have, and all of the things that you've dealt with. Um, I, I often wonder, and I guess we get to, to see uh, especially in this pandemic, what it looks like for a lot of people to see life turn on its head. Uh, yeah. You know, one person <laughs> told me this morning, and it's it's a great quote, is he said, um, solitude is a discipline, but isolation is a punishment. And there's a huge difference mm -hmm. between solitude and isolation. And not only did people's lives get turned upside down and their, their livelihoods all the time ruined, but they got locked in their houses for an entire summer. And what that does to people who have no recourse, who have no uh, community, it's just debilitating. It's crippling. It's yeah. a terrible fate. Um, well, and that's one of the the really hard parts about depression too, is like we know um, that isolation is, is terrible mm -hmm. uh, for like the human psyche and in general, but then also um, just on a, on a, you know, uh, a level of, like healing, um, we know that one of the best ways to do that is to to be around other people, to share those burdens and, and all this. And so, uh, when you get to a place of deep depression, um, it's like your your body 
uh, in your mind and your soul kind of uh, self-sabotage, right? Where uh, you feel a deep, deep desire to be isolated and you know it's not making anything better, but this, uh, it's like the, um, you know, that's one of the things that I had to learn was that like, I really have to, to lean into, um, you know, this community that's around me, not, not kind of recoil from it, even though that's my knee, knee jerk reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's when I get in that community with those relationships and with the people that love me, um, that I'm able to experience joy yeah. and able to experience, um, the, the gratitude that, that leads to joy. Yeah. And I know it feels like swimming upstream against every impulse to the contrary to go from a place <laughs> of uh, depression and where you're, where you not only feel isolated, but you're so encapsulated in that feeling that you actually seek that out because you just don't see any, any good beyond that feeling of, of darkness that you're enveloped in, but you, you know, intellectually what you should do. Um, but as far as all of your, your feelings and even physically your body is telling you, it's just telling you to curl up in a ball in the corner and don't mm-hmm. come out again. And that's unfortunately what people who might've already been feeling that way were in actuality uh, put in a corner and told not to come out again. And I've, yeah, <laughs> I've had, a few good conversations here recently of uh, with both Christians and non-Christians who were discussing and lamenting the effects they're already feeling um, from our uh, our summer of the opposite of love, where isolation has really gotten to them. And uh, one guy just kept using the word existential to describe everything he was feeling, and uh, it, it's really affected people profoundly. And uh, I've had a lot of those conversations at work as well. Like, uh, people that have, uh, like, you know, opened up and, and shared about some of the suffering that they're going through. And like, again, this is just like kind of normal stuff of life, um, in, in a fallen world, right. Where people's, um, you know, significant others are, uh, abandoning them or, um, you know, uh, a relationship that you thought was uh, headed one direction is now headed another. And um, maybe, you know, family uh, is deserting you or whatever. And then on, on top of all of that normal fallen world life stuff uh, comes this situation where um, like biologically it's best for us to be isolated. And, um, and it's hard to, nurture relationship and in a situation like that, when unfortunately that's the the very thing that's needed. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And uh, on that, in that vein, I, you shared what joy had meant to you through this time. I'll, I'll briefly share just one observation for myself is that um, corporate worship, um, being together with other believers, singing, praise, worshiping God together, physically together, um, it's not, I, I will admit that is something I take for granted even more than most people do. Uh, I don't appreciate it as much as I should getting back into, uh, being able to sing, um, praise to God, to worship God physically together with others over the last few weeks has been, um, something that felt nurturing to my soul in a way that I can't quite express being together, 
uh, feeling that joy of togetherness, uh, feeling that ineffable quality of what it means to be humanity in relationship, um, praising the God whence our relationship comes is a indescribable um, thing. But as a, a Christian, I think it's one of the chief blessings that God gives us of giving us that foretaste of what eternity in relationship with not only him, but with other uh, brothers and sisters looks like. And it's been to be deprived of that and then to be given that back um, really gives you a taste of uh, what a blessing that is. And at the same time, makes me um, all the more sad for people who haven't known that relationship, you know, for for people who don't know Jesus mm-hmm. as their savior, they don't believe or know the God that, uh, that gave them life. And I, I guess one question I also wanted to ask you is, so we've talked a lot from a Christian perspective about what joy is, but if, if you're a non-Christian and listening to us, like, where does that leave you? Um, Carson, what do you think? Where does that leave a person right now? Who's, who's not a Christian? What sh- what should joy mean to them? Uh, man. Um, well, I think, you know, if I'm putting myself in the shoes of somebody who's not a believer, um, who, uh, hasn't made a decision to follow Jesus, um, then, and, and, you know, I, I guess by extension, hasn't made necessarily a decision to, uh, to try and follow God. Um, I, I guess like, I, I would think that there is, and when we kind of hit on this already, but there's a, a, a different definition that the world at large would probably have about the word joy. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it wouldn't be as closely tied to um, the deep abiding pleasure we can take in the presence of God in the midst of our circumstances versus uh, something more uh I don't mean to, to be um, like to downplay it, but like just to uh, just more surface level, I guess Um, something like happiness or uh, gladness, like happiness is an emotion. Um, Joy, I would say is not an emotion Um, that joy is, is kind of this abiding sense of God's presence and goodness driven by gratitude. Um, so joy is kind of a state of the heart and state of mind where, uh, happiness is kind of a, a more of a fleeting emotion. Um, and I think if I were not a believer, I would probably resort to, uh, thinking that I would search for joy in those places where I would think I could find things synonymous with joy, like happiness or, or goodness. Um, so maybe I would try and find joy by taking up a hobby. Or maybe I would try and find joy by, um, you know, uh, taking the dogs to to the park. Um, maybe I would try and find joy if I've got a good relationship with my family uh, by spending time with my wife and kids. Um, because all of those things, maybe I would uh, I would go and and try and find some new food that I that I enjoy um, enjoy. Uh, because all of those things lead us to a place of kind of temporal happiness. Um, but I think the uh, what that doesn't do 
is lead us to a place of abiding peace um, that lasts past the uh, the fleeting emotion um, that stays with us that empowers us. Um, and so, you know, there's things like, and, and like, I think it's worth pointing out too, this is where a lot of our, um, like self-destructive behaviors and, and addictions and that kind of thing come from. Right. Um, so maybe like picking up a hobby is a good thing. Um, spending time with my loved ones is a good thing. Taking the dog to the park is a good thing. Uh, but there's other ways that people try and seek joy and seek happiness um, that aren't good for us, right? That can end up being self-destructive. So uh, something like uh, seeking joy by uh, getting into a new relationship, even if that relationship is one that is not good for you, right? If you've, uh, if you're in a relationship with somebody who's being abusive towards you, um, because you've convinced yourself that a relationship by virtue of having a relationship, then I'll be happy. Mm -hmm. Then that can be a really destructive thing. Um, eating disorders, right? It food makes me feel good. It makes me feel happy. Um, when, uh, when I, you know, eat a certain type of food, I feel comforted from, from the things, uh, that I'm dealing with in life. Um, there's a reason it's called comfort food, right? Like that, that's one of the qualities of food is it does have the ability to comfort and, and nurture and, and do those things. But when that is the, the source of this kind of life giving, fulfilling, uh, joy that we seek rather than just a temporal happiness or a temporal, uh, kind of, uh, you know, uh, kind of surface level comfort, I guess. Um, then, you know, it can lead to things like, uh, you know, gluttony, eating disorders. Like, um, when we seek food as our primary source of joy, right? We're, we're basically making a, an idol out of food. That's, um, that's the, uh, the essence of gluttony, right? Um, so there's a lot of these different things where we're like, as, as humans, we try and, and seek happiness in the way that just intuitively seems best to us, um, or that has maybe worked for us a time or two in the mm -hmm. past. Um, but none of those things, uh, save for, for Jesus and relationship with God that I've experienced anyway, um, have ever been able to give me the same sense of abiding presence and peace and comfort and gratitude and ultimately joy, um, that I've, I've found in Jesus, yeah. um, that there's a level of meaning that relationship with him uh, is able to give to my life that um, that none of these other things can can even compare to. Yeah, that's that's really good. And I guess on that on that track too, we we talk a lot about like apologetics is something that you and I both really enjoy, like trying to show the reasonableness and to some extent the provability of the Christian faith. But but this is 
another way of coming at it entirely that um, almost like sharing a testimony of your life um, saying that this isn't just a, a knockdown proof for the existence of God, but right now just you and I having a conversation would both say that we're two people that, but for the presence of God in our lives, but for the the pure joy um, that he provides, our lives would be much the emptier, uh, much yeah. uh, much less the the fuller for it. And you can yeah. wax uh, wax linguistic about the ontologies and the teleologies and all the ologies um, until your brain gets tired and your tongue fails for words, but you're never going to get to a point probably as poignant as looking another person in the eye and saying uh, that God changed my life and he gave me something that I can't explain, but for whatever my word means to you, I promise you it's real. And that's something that's really powerful. I would say that that as much as anything has been a way that Christianity has spread through the world. Just one beggar telling another beggar where they found bread. And, um, you know, the, the Jesus even talks about himself as, you know, the bread of life, like the, the sustenance that, that never stops giving. And, uh, you mentioned like living water, uh, and, and that we will never thirst again for sure. Um, yeah, that there's just something about a relationship with him uh, that satisfies in a way that these other temporal things yeah. can't. And and coming at it like thinking again, like from the perspective of a non-believer, uh, you know, Leo Tolstoy, the guy that wrote that really short pamphlet, uh, War and Peace, uh, War and Peace. <laughs> he, um, in his gray Russian way, he said, uh, "Pure and complete sorrow is as impossible as pure and complete joy." And from his perspective, that makes a lot of sense. Like he, he saw the the horrors not only of Russian winter, but of uh, just all of the things that he writes about in his books, um, if you can make it through them. And from his perspective, yeah, pure joy is not something that you're going to find in this life, um, or from his perspective, probably forever, um, because that's not where his hope was. And so, uh, I I feel. Not necessarily that I would just say patronizingly, I feel sorry for you if you don't know God, but my soul does feel a deep sense of sorrow for someone who has not known the forgiveness and the restoration that we can only find in a relationship with God. And I think that... Yeah, and well, even if it's not uh, a sense of sorrow for that person, I think um, maybe we can at least say like a sense of compassion, yeah. right? Like you're you're hurting in a way that I can totally... Uh, relate to and and yet you're having to deal with it in a way that I can't relate yeah. to like uh, because I've got this thing that um, that has sustained me and and I want you to have it mm. too yeah for sure well um, I don't want to end on a, a down note so let's let's bring it back up a little bit <laughs> I think um, okay so I've, I've really enjoyed and I appreciate you sharing uh, what joy has meant to you, what your relationship with God has meant for for what you mean when you say joy. And I would just say that um, to anyone who's curious, feel free to drop a line to Carson or I if you want to talk about this. We're yeah. always happy to do that. Um, and joy is, is a wonderful thing. I think it's such an expression of the ongoing grace that God gives us. It's such a wonderful part 
of uh, of living in this life that though beset with you know pain and sorrow and the the manifold ways in which being a human can be a hard thing there's also so many wonderful things in it um and joy is one of the the chief things among them so i've i uh really appreciate you taking some time tonight to um help remind me of that and talk through that with me it's it's been really good and refreshing and i think the more that we can dwell on on joy and the source of joy um certainly the better off that we'll all be yeah absolutely and you know to your point from uh when we opened this podcast um <laughs> i was coming uh in terms of um my immediate circumstances uh from a place where i'd had a lot of uh joy <laughs> stolen from me uh temporarily um but I, I will I will say, like, after having this conversation, um, I realize now it wasn't my joy that was stolen. It was actually my happiness um, and my happiness um, isn't what creates joy in me. Um, and after having, you know, the past, um, you know, hour or so to uh, to discuss this and to just reflect on what joy is, uh, where does it come from? Um, who is the source of it? Um, and just to reflect on these ways in which God is good to us, um, and gives us joy. It really, it does put my heart and my soul and my mind even in a, in a much happier place. Um, so, um, I think it's probably accurate to say that, uh, our happiness, uh, doesn't drive our joy, but our joy a lot of times can drive our happiness. And, um, I certainly found that to be uh, the case tonight. Yeah. Well said, buddy. And to your point um, about dropping us a line, we haven't mentioned this uh, over the past several episodes, but we need to. Um, if you go to anchor.fm slash true to life, uh, you can go to our uh, podcast webpage and on there, you'll see a button that says message. Uh, it's got a little, uh, little chat bubble with the, the plus sign in there. And if you uh, click on that message button, you can actually leave a uh, voicemail for Aaron and I. Um, and if you have any thoughts about uh, today's episode or any episode, um, do uh, feel free to reach out that way. Um, or, you know, like Aaron said, uh, you know, Facebook, Twitter, email, however, you know, whatever. Uh, just get in touch with us. Uh, share your thoughts. And uh, certainly on this, if uh, I would say if there's anyone listening that we can uh, that feels like we might be able to help them in terms of, uh, you know, seeking joy in Jesus. Uh, that's absolutely what we want to do. So, uh, feel free to reach out any way you can. And, uh, yeah. All right. I second all of those things. All right, buddy. Well, get home, go see your family and, uh, thank you for your time tonight. I love you and, uh, look forward to doing it again a couple weeks from now. Always a pleasure, buddy. Bye.